Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. In our first episode, we introduced you to the first three victims of the Suffolk Strangler. We left you on the 12th of December, 2006, when two more bodies were discovered on waste ground. Paula Lucille Clanell was born in Northumberland before moving to Ipswich with her mother, Isabella, and sister Alice at the age of 14 following her parents' divorce. After this, she barely saw her father, Brian, as he worked away in the Middle East and Africa a lot during her childhood. Paula went on to have three children with Elton Norris, though all had been taken into care two years before her death due to her taking drugs. This spiraled into addiction once her daughters were removed and placed up for adoption. Elton's mother, Anita, was quoted in the Ipswich Star as saying she preferred to remember Paula as the girl they had taken on a family holiday to Disney World in Florida four years before. Quote, She was so happy back then, and that's how I want to remember her. She loved her kids and didn't deserve what happened. She was a victim of society. It's just such a wasted life. I know the real Paula. The people who think of her just as a prostitute don't know. She went on to say, Once her children were gone, she started taking drugs to keep going and to block it out. She always thought she would get them back, even until recently. Having your children taken away is the most heartbreaking thing you could ever know. At the time of her disappearance, Paula was of no fixed abode, but a few months before, she had been living with Brian Wilms, age 51, in Elliott Street, Ipswich. He was quoted by the Ipswich Star as saying, I will miss her. It's going to take a little while to sink in. I'm in shock. He also told the Press Association that, quote, She was sharp and willy. I can't believe she would be daft enough to get caught as one of those girls in the woods. I would have thought she was too streetwise. I am sure she would have fought back. I just can't believe someone caught her out. It has got to be someone she knew. Another former partner said that she could spend up to 500 pounds 
or $1,000 a day on drugs, and had told him that she knew she would die young. Paula's father, Brian, was quoted by the Guardian newspaper as saying, She was a mischievous but wonderful person, end quote, later saying that he had no idea that she was working as a prostitute, adding, quote, She had been led up the wrong path at the wrong time, end quote. Paula was last seen at 2am on the 10th of December, wearing a navy blue anorak with a light blue band across the chest and one sleeve. She had blonde hair. Paula left the house in Ipswich on a bicycle before calling a friend saying she was looking for somewhere to stay. On 2nd of December, just a few days before her death, Paula was interviewed by ITV News after the discovery of Gemma Adams' body. Paula allegedly knew Gemma, saying they were acquaintances. During the interview, Paula acknowledged the dangers that she faced, but said she would, quote, continue with street sex work in Ipswich because she needed the money, end quote. She continued that she felt sick after hearing about the death of Gemma Adams, that there had been a reduction in clients due to the increased police presence, and that while it would be safer to get a flat and work from there, actually getting a flat would be a problem. She told the interviewer that she had a couple of nasty incidents with clients and had been beaten up on occasion, but was going to continue to work. We found one article from The Mirror who interviewed, quote, grieving boyfriend, end quote, Paul Turner, aged 44, who had a theory about Paula's murder, saying that she had stolen £1,000 or $2,000 from a regular punter weeks before she was killed. Paul said he met and fell in love with Paula after meeting her through a mutual friend two years ago. In the article, Paul was quoted as saying, quote, This bloke had been on the scene for years and knows all the girls. Recently, the girls had a falling out over his business and they started seeing him as pretty vulnerable. I know for a fact that some of them robbed him, including Paula. Maybe this guy had enough of being ripped off and lashed out. It could be that he got the killing bug or that he wanted to get revenge on every one of them who'd stolen from him. This guy from Felixstowe was a regular punter with several of them and particularly Paula. She earned 400 or 500 pounds, the equivalent's 800 to 1000 dollars, a time from him, and he'd often take her to his house overnight or even for two or three nights. I never knew his name, but I know he was in his late 30s or early 40s. He used to arrange to meet Paula on the phone and would drive and pick her up. Paula told me he lived on his own, had a nice house and a smart car. She used to like going there because at first he treated her with so much more affection than the usual punter. He said he was smitten with her. He always made out she was his special girl and would see her two or three times a month. But then she saw him dropping another girl off and it really upset her. There's a lot of rivalry between the girls and she was upset he'd been with someone else. A week or two later, she turned up at my flat with £900, around $1,800, in crisp notes. I'd never seen her with so much money and kept questioning her about it until she finally told me. She said, he's been treating me badly so I ripped him off. It turned out she had taken his credit card, found his PIN number in a drawer and withdrawn £1,000, 
or $2,000. She treated me to a Chinese meal that night. He was furious and Paula expected him to go to the police, but he never did. After that, word got round that he was a soft target and a few of the other girls did the same. I'm not sure who stole what from him, but Paula definitely told me he'd been ripped off again. Once she arrived with two mobile phones someone had given her that had been pinched from his place. End quote. Paul said that Paula and her acquaintance, Annette Nichols, quote, went and did a double for him to try and win back the man's affection. Paula went on to say, I never spoke to Paula about him again, but with everything that's happened, it seems suspicious that he would target specific girls. People look at Paula as a prostitute, but she was so much more than that to me. I loved her from the bottom of my heart, and I saw the good in her that nobody else did. This was going to be our first Christmas together, and I invited her around for lunch. Last week, I bought her some trainers and clothes as presents, and some other little things. They're all wrapped up and waiting for her. Now she will never be able to have them. She'll never get to see what she meant to me. Paul told the mirror how he had spent thousands of pounds paying off debts and trying to help Paula kick her expensive addiction to heroin and crack cocaine. He went on to say, I dreamed for getting Paula off drugs, getting us set up in a nice flat and starting again. She was so excited about that. In the summer, I took her to a private hospital and to get her a methadone prescription, but she only lasted two weeks off the drug, and then she went back to them. Another time, she was beside herself, with worry because she owed a dealer £4,000, or $8,000, so I borrowed it to pay off the debt. We have not found any other articles or evidence to back up what Paul has said about Paula and other women ripping off a client. However, we have included it for completeness. Paula's post-mortem showed that she was strangled. Paula was 24 years old and she disappeared. The second body found in the woodland on the 12th of December 2006 was that of Annette Nichols. Her petite, naked body was placed, like a Nellie Alderton, in a crucifix position. Annette grew up in Ipswich. A childhood friend told the Daily Mail that Annette was a great sportswoman who took part in trampolining competitions. Carrie-Anne Pauley attended Hollywell's High School in Ipswich with Annette, but the pair drifted apart after Annette moved schools. Carrie-Anne said, quote, Annette was so very, very funny at school. We used to cause so much mischief together. She was just a fun person to be around. Annette was very sporty and we loved staying over at each other's houses. End quote. Annette was a single mother to a young son, Farron. She had completed a four-year beautician's course at Suffolk College in Ipswich and was hoping to open her own business in the future. She was a fun-loving young woman who could often be found at her friends' homes, helping them with makeup, giving them advice and providing treatments. They were envious of her clear complexion and long, dark hair. She was extremely organised her house was immaculate, her car was pristine and was always taxed and insured. She lived in a small, semi-detached council house on an estate in Ipswich where she raised her son. However, 
After some encouragement from the local council, she moved into a bigger housing association house on a smart new estate nearby. At the same time as she moved, Annette asked her mother, Rosemary, to play a more substantial role in looking after her son, Farron, which her mother agreed to. And then, seemingly overnight, three years before her death, Annette became addicted to heroin. Nobody knows exactly why or how. Some friends said they thought it was the influence of past boyfriends, but it just happened very quickly with no real trigger. Once she was addicted, she needed more and more, which meant she also needed more and more money to support her habit. Within months, Annette had turned to sex work to fuel her addiction. Attention, friends. Are you ready to embark on a journey into the unknown this Mother's Day? Prepare to dive into the depths of your family's history with mylifeinabook.com. Each week, mylifeinabook.com sends intriguing questions, uncovering the thrilling tales of your mom's past, and then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. From daring escapes to nail-biting encounters, her life becomes an epic adventure waiting to be explored. This Mother's Day, give the gift of excitement and intrigue with mylifeinabook.com. It's a thrilling ride through your mom's life that you won't want to miss. I gave this to my mom last year, and let's just say I didn't know my mom as well as I thought I did. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE for 10% off today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Annette's cousin Tanya Nichols had this to say about Nettie, as Annette was known. Quote, She used to be such an absolutely outstanding person, with the most lovely personality. She was stunningly beautiful inside and out. I was so proud of her when she passed her course, but then almost overnight, she got into heroin, and it changed her. It was a bit like flicking a light switch. About three weeks before Annette's murder, Tanya was cycling around Ipswich when she saw her cousin touting for business from curb crawlers in West End Road on the edge of the red light district, just a few meters from where Gemma Adams was last seen. Tanya was quoted in the Belfast Telegraph as saying, She saw me riding past on a bike around midnight and called me over to say hello. I was really worried for her because it was after the other girls. Tanya and Gemma had been reported missing but she didn't want to stop working. She just told me she was okay. The only other thing she said was, don't tell anyone that you saw me here. Now I just wish that I had picked her up and dragged her home. Annette's family became concerned for her welfare after reading about the murders of Tanya Nichol and Gemma Adams 
and reported her missing. There is some confusion on the exact date that she was last seen. Police initially reported that she was last seen on the 4th of December, 2006. However, in the opening statement at the trial, the prosecution said that she hadn't been seen since December 8th when she was spotted in the center of Ipswich. Annette's postmortem could not give a definite cause of death due to decomposition, but it was concluded that her breathing had been hampered. Annette was 29 when she went missing. Five bodies found in just 10 days. The police received thousands of calls and emails with leads that they had to follow up with, as well as sightings of discarded clothing that may have belonged to the women. The police needed to act fast before there were more victims. More than 100 additional officers from the surrounding areas were drafted in to follow up leads to identify and apprehend the murderer. And other questions were asked too. Were there other victims that had not been identified or reported missing? Had there been similar cases that remained unsolved? Were these cases just an isolated killing spree? As you all know, that is not very unlikely. So who was committing these murders? Stephen Gerald James Wright was born to parents Conrad and Patricia on the 24th of April 1958 in Erpingham near Norfolk in the east of England. Wright was a middle child with an older brother, David, and two younger sisters, Jeanette and Tina. His father, Conrad, was an RAF military policeman and his mother, Patricia, was a veterinary nurse. Due to his father's military career, the family moved around a lot, living in places such as Malta and Singapore. In 1964, after the family moved to the UK, Conrad and Patricia split up. Patricia left the family home, taking her two daughters with her. They got on a train at Ipswich train station and disappeared. This was the last time Wright would see his mother for 26 years. Wright was left behind with his brother David and his father Conrad. His father believes that this is when his personality started to change. We have read reports from both sides on why Patricia left the family. Some reports say that she ran off to live with her lover, whereas Patricia claimed in an interview with the News of the World that she was forced to leave the marriage as it had become violent. Wright's father Conrad was quoted in a Daily Mail article on the 5th of December 2017 as saying, quote, We sort of half agreed that we would have a little break. Well, I never thought she'd go through with it, but she did. We separated in Ipswich Railway Station of all places. This was the last time Steve ever saw her, an eight-year-old boy seeing his mother staying on a train and going off with his two sisters. Is that where everything went wrong? End quote. Wright and his siblings did not get on with their father's new wife, and Wright ended up living with his grandparents for a while. Conrad, Wright's father, went on to have two more children with his second wife. At 16, Wright left school with no qualifications. He started work as a waiter in a hotel before becoming a chef in the Merchant Navy. He was working on ferries sailing out of Felixstowe. At 20, he married his first wife, Angela O'Donovan, at Milford Haven. They stayed married for eight years and had a son together, Michael. Wright was always unsettled and felt the need to move homes and jobs on a regular basis. 
This probably stemmed from his childhood following his father's military career. Over the years, he worked as a dock worker, a lorry driver, a barman, a pub landlord, a forklift driver, and as a steward on the famous QE2 ship. While working on the QE2, Wright started to use prostitutes. When he had shore leave trips, he would search out prostitutes in whichever port he was in. Wright also met his second wife while working on the QE2, Diane Cassell, who was a window dresser for one of the shops on the ship. The couple left the QE2 to run a pub together in Norwich, in the east of England. The pub was called the Ferry Boat Inn, and it was based in the city's red light district. They married in 1987 as the brewery landlords said that they had to be married to continue to run the pub. The marriage lasted less than a year. His ex-wife was quoted in Hartlepool Gazette newspaper as saying, quote, It was a disaster. I don't want to say too much, but our marriage wasn't great. It wasn't good, and I was glad when it ended. End quote. Wright's tenancy of the Ferry Boat Inn, which was a haunt for prostitutes in the 1980s and 1990s, lasted five months, from May until September 1988. A year after the split, Wright struck up a relationship with Sarah Whiteley, a barmaid in the White Horse pub in Chislehurst that he was running. They moved to Plumstead to run the Rose and Crown pub in 1990 and had a daughter together in 1992 but that relationship too floundered and they split up before the baby's first birthday. Whiteley told the News of the World that Wright lost his pub landlord job because of his gambling and drinking. In our next episode, we will learn more about Steve Wright, as well as talking about his trial and highlighting some other potential victims of the Suffolk Strangler. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.